There are business leaders that are making so much more than profit in their enterprises. They're elevating their businesses, teams, and themselves to add more value. And so can you. Welcome to the Chris Cooper Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. If you were looking for ways to elevate success while contributing to a better world, you'll want to listen in for the next hour. Now here's your host, Chris Cooper. Hello, this is Chris Cooper and a big welcome to the Business Elevation Show on Voice America. Um, great to be back with you again for yet another episode. It's the 22nd of December. Uh, we're soon going to be at Christmas, uh, which uh, if you celebrate that, um, I hope uh, that you have a, a great Christmas. And uh, my my guest today was telling me, reminding me, it was the winter solstice yesterday. Uh, she'll maybe tell us a, a little bit uh, about that and uh, reminding me that I was born on the summer solstice. So over here in the United Kingdom, it's uh, it's it's a period of very very short um, uh, days and very dark nights. Um, but the great news is uh, soon it's going to start getting getting lighter and more sunshine and uh, light coming into our lives. We're going to have a great conversation today. I'm really excited about it. We're going to talk about embracing indigenous wisdom for a heart centered world with my guest Shobna Kataria and. Um, I wanted to say, though, um, a big thank you to um, my guest um, last week. We had Simon Bailey. I was actually a bit naughty in that actually I pre-recorded that interview because I was out in Turkey uh, over the um, over the weekend and into this week um, on a, um, a very unusual uh, journey. Um, one of my um, connections, Dr. Mansour Malik, wrote a book on Rumi called The Power, Rumi Power of Love. Uh, and um, I was out there on a book. Um, a book uh, for a book event, which I was speaking at as I wrote a couple of pages in the book uh, and uh, also had the opportunity to go to a huge event and experience the whirling dervishes, which I've done before and got to meet the local mayor. And it was all sorts of different, exciting things. But if you ever get the chance, do go to um, Rumi's tomb in Konya, because the energy in there is just unbelievable it is just um like nowhere else there is just a feeling you get when you walk in that place um of uh, a very um deep um deep warm uh, engaging feeling that leaves you on an incredible high it, everybody who walks in there talks about it and just really um you start to realize and appreciate the power of energy from these um ancient places which leads in very beautifully to talking about indigenous wisdom today. And Shobna Akataria is a visionary entrepreneur, uh, and she provides a, a bridge between um, modern business acumen and ancient indigenous wisdom. And she spent over 25 years in the IT industry, and she's embarked on a transformative journey in sh where she really intertwines and interconnects her rich Indian heritage with her roles as a natural naturopath, to find out a little bit more about that, herbalist, acupuncturist, energy healer, and she works also with lots of uh, lots of organisations uh, within um, their Planet Matters um, organisation. Um, her work with the the Mother Earth delegation, the Land Back Scheme, highlights a commitment to Indigenous people's rights and environmental stewardship. And um, today we're going to re-examine the narratives that shape our world. Uh, and urges to ponder what um, Shobna says is a really critical question. What's mine to do in these times of radical change? Um, Shobna advocates a shift from ownership to custodianship, 
emphasizing the role of businesses in serving the whole and fostering a legacy for future generations. Um, so we're going to, I think this will lead on quite nicely too. We last, um, last week, the show with, um, with Simon was about leading with the earth in mind. And I know that's also very much at, um, the heart of uh, Shobna's work and her, and her partner, John Blasky. Um, so, uh, Shobna, welcome to the Business Elevation Show. How are you? Thank you. Uh, thank you for inviting me. I'm very well indeed. Looking forward to Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> having a bit of quiet time i think we all get we just can get very very busy can't we and then it collides with oh my goodness i need to buy presents for people mm -hmm. i need to i need to get some food in i need to do yeah. this and this and this and so that that busy energy of uh of trying to clear the decks for the break combined with the extra responsibilities <laughs> quite tiring it becomes a lot about the doing rather than the real spirit of christmas doesn't it it does yeah, it's important to catch that, isn't it? That spirit of Christmas. Um, so tell us a bit about, if you can, about your your early life and, uh, you know, what spark you moving from being an IT entrepreneur to really embracing Indigenous wisdom and uh, really integrating this into your professional life? I'll, I'll begin by um, introducing my ancestry. Okay. The indigenous people do. I'm from the Bagnari tribe. We originate from the Indus Valley and the Aryans, and it go, we go back more than 40,000 years. Wow. Um, and from the Indus Valley, we moved in between, into between the rivers Bag and the rivers Nari. That's ah. Bagnari. Yeah. We then moved to the Quetta, uh, which is in northern India and then to Karachi, and then to Mumbai. So in two generations, we moved three times. And then uh, my dad and mom thought they would create a better life for us and move to the UK. So mm. my, the first eight years of my life were spent in Mumbai. I was born in a one bedroom, one room tenement, not one bedroom, one room we lived in. And uh, I lived as a child with my mom, dad, sisters and grandparents in one room. Uh, we shared we shared a toilet with everybody on the floor, uh, on the same floor as we were. And um, some would say we were poor, but we were rich. Mm. We were rich in community. My uncles and aunties lived near us. Uh, my grandma lived with us. Um, and I would say I had the best childhood because I went to the beach every day. I saw the sunrise, I saw the sea. Uh, so I had this magical, mystical childhood in Mumbai. And at the age of eight, I came to England um, and experienced, uh, certainly at senior school, bullying every day, where I was called Paki and racism. So the area was very working class and racist. We moved into my dad, who was a professor at uh, Mumbai University, came here to England and couldn't obviously get the same level of job. So he got a job in a rough school in uh, the Midlands. However, from those beginnings, I discovered a love of mathematics and uh, I got a first class, class degree in mathematics from Warwick University. Uh, I got an MBA uh, and went on to uh, have several technical roles in the IT industry 
and then discovered an entrepreneurship within me, a natural entrepreneurship, and had a successful business for over 25 years. Uh, in the middle of all that, I raised a family, uh, experienced exhaustion and burnout in the middle of that, uh, where I ended up on medication and realized that I would be on that medication for the rest of my life. I was only in my 30s. So I thought there must be a better way and hence started my interest in herbal medicine and naturopathy and um, all the richness that the planet has in terms of healing. Um, in 2014, um, my whole life fell apart. And although I wouldn't wish it on anybody looking back, it was a good thing. Um, I left my marriage. Uh, my father died. Uh, my uh, All the grandparents, like the mother-in-law and father-in-law, had also passed. Uh, so my children left home and I was left with no labels. Uh, so I wasn't really a mother in the same way. Uh, I wasn't a daughter, I wasn't a wife, and I wasn't a business person because I left the business as well and started the process of selling my business. Um, and that's how my journey began, really. I, um, I discovered it was almost like um, I felt betrayed because I'd been living in the business world like trying to make money, raise my family, sending them to schools, going on holiday, all the trappings of uh, what we would call a successful life. And uh, from 2014 onwards, I got deeper into the conversation about what's happening on the planet um, and uh, really felt, well, it, it came to me, actually. Um, it all came to me because I was accidentally on a workshop um, where they were talking about what is growth, you know, how important growth is and business success and business growth. And it just all felt really hollow to me. Um, hence my inquiry into all of this. Um, does that answer your question? Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's a wonderful story uh to to hear you know we do go on this sort of hero's journey on in our life if we choose to go on choose to go on it and um uh, and you know what you described there from from mumbai and uh to through to you know um first class degrees and mbas at warwick and you know that's uh, a, a great university to go to but, but you experienced all sorts of challenges along the way uh and it, it all it all it all works it all uh, links in i can see now why you know this indigenous wisdom is uh, is so important to you yeah you shared it very um eloquently and, and beautifully um and i bet your family must be pretty proud of you actually in terms of how yeah my daughters are yeah. very proud of me and i'm yeah. and i'm sure my dad if he was here uh and I mean, he is here in some way yeah is is like supporting me yeah 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 well, we'll, we'll, we'll dedicate this show to our father shall we Oh, that would be lovely. Yes, yes. My my dad was very special. Yeah, yeah. My, my, my mine too, and mine too. Um, and um, so, how would you then describe this second, this 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 new chapter in your life? Then, if you, I'm just sort of intrigued because you, you know, 2014 brought to an end, and then a bit further on, you brought to an end to of the um, you know, the focus on success, and you brought the family up and. What would you describe this next chapter as being about? 
It's it's really discovering who I am when I have no labels. Right? Yeah. Who am I really? Um, and what am I here to do? It's that question you said at the beginning. What's mine to do in these times of radical change? Um, I'm not ready to retire yet. Uh, I'm not ready to just put my tools down, as they say. Uh, I'm. I love work. Uh, I, in fact, I would say I'm a recovering workaholic. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and my recovery takes the form of coming back to my feminine heart, coming mm. back to my feminine self. Um when I came to the UK because as I said all the racism we had to face, I became as English as possible and rejected my original culture. Um and uh, I didn't listen to Indian music, I didn't want to watch Indian films and all all the stuff that Indian people do, I didn't want to do them. And I'd say when I entered the business world, the corporate world, I I functioned as a male. Uh, so I functioned as my masculine self. And uh, I didn't reject my femininity, I would say, but certainly I put it to one side to become driven and ambitious and uh, to achieve. I had a very much an achievement mindset and wanted to grow the business. I wanted to do well, I wanted to earn money. Uh, so my journey has been, some of it has been rewinding all yes. of that. Um, and, and who am I? Uh, which, which really has taken me back to my uh, Indian roots. And it's interesting because a few months ago, I was experiencing a terrible homesickness uh, and I couldn't put my finger on it. And I was like, this is not home. I've lived here pretty much all my life, but... This didn't feel like home. And I, where is home? And where is my community? I was missing community. And many synchronicities meant that I went on a trip to India. Um, and uh, I'd like to read you a poem I wrote. Please do, yeah. I was in Kerala. Um, and it's called I Am. I am the washerwoman, the fisherman, the ocean, and the trash. I am the poet, the thinker, the politician, and the cash. I am gliding, sliding, submerged and consumed. I fly in my sleep yet only walk when awake. Sandy seas see through me, beach dogs come to me. My soul has come to free me, home has yet to find me. Wow, it's beautiful. Yeah, so when when I was in India uh, in October, this was written in October this year, um, I really connected with the mother of India, the mother energy that India is, and my own in in can you call it Indianity, Indian Indianness? Mm. <laughs> I suppose indigenous is like Indian, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Um, and uh, then that is the rootedness that I connected to, and then uh, because we did yoga every day at the centre that I was at, uh, I really connected to the deep ancestry, which is the yogis and uh, the rishis. So I really then felt connected to myself when I came back. Mm. Um, and the spirit of the land, its spirituality. And I really see some of the part, some of what I do is to bring India back here, to bring that feeling of home back here. Wonderful. And how, how would you therefore... Um... How would you define in indigenousness and uh, 
uh, and the wisdom yeah that's a really good question and i don't know if it has a definition uh so i want to make clear what i'm talking about is fundamentals that are common to all indigenous cultures and each uh, tribe that uh, comes from the land around it has its own rich set of rituals and stories that are unique to them has their own origin story and uh, so I, I don't claim to be an expert on any of that but what I'm what I have is a synthesis of everything I've learned and everything I've gained through introspection um, I would say I had a lot of knowledge um, around 2014 but I had which was all from the head but I had very little wisdom which was from the heart yes uh, so my journey is has been through my heart connection and this is something that indigenous people live as live as a reality in their lives um, they know the world differently and they come from cultures that live in harmony with the planet and their wisdom is born of the connection with the world around them and in our state of disconnect we can no longer be relied to act in this way right. so i think that's how i would de define indigenous in that the connection with the land and the, the the other people the animals the cosmos is just something we can't even begin to understand how yeah. deep rooted that is um, they, they will always know where the sun is rising and setting they will always know where the nearest river is uh, the nearest water source. We we don't live like that. Our thinking is very human centric. It's about us and us alone. We we think we're the most important species on the planet, um, and somehow we think we live we're, we're the exceptions that what we do will have no consequences for or for us. Um, I'd say that we are living through our disconnectedness in the age of consequences. Yes. That's, that's where we're living right now. That's the yes. place we find ourselves. And um, yeah, that's, that's how I would define it. In, in that search for, for wisdom, I'm, uh, I'm also sensing in you um, more effortlessness. It doesn't mean you're not working incredibly hard, but I'm sensing, I'm sensing in you and our conversation. And it's something I think I've discovered over the last few years too is that the effortlessness going with the heart going with the flow uh, and uh, not um not going against the natural order of things but going working with it yeah yeah you you've got it there chris um so if you were uh, if you would have met me with my corporate suit on it would be quite yeah. a different person yeah. <laughs> so what i've done really very naturally is i've slowed right down and I check for alignment before I do anything, right? And if, if things are not aligned, it's almost like my feet don't move, my body doesn't want to go there. And I can tell that my whole body reacts. Uh, and that's because the head moves at the speed of neurons, which mm. is why we love Googling stuff and learning lots <laughs> of information. But the heart moves more slowly. Uh, so the heart moves at the pace heartbeat and probably even slower than that so it takes time to get tuned in with the heart wisdom but sometimes though isn't it better to slow down to speed up exactly uh, there, there is um there is a saying uh, that grandma jyoti who you who you know says and i've heard her say often and that's uh, times are urgent 
we need to slow down. Yes, more like that. <laughs> yeah, and that's so true. Like sometimes you, you can't react from panic and have a good reaction. It's the, the slowing down. Uh, yeah. 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 So I'm just slowing down to make note of that because I like I really like that <laughs> that that, ang that angle on it. I'm I'm kind of intrigued. How do you in in your work today? So you you know mentioned in your in your bio that you you have you know roles in um, naturopathy, herbalism, acupuncture, energy healing. Yet you you do a lot of talks and work with a lot of organisations as well. Tell us a bit about your work today and how you interweave indigenous values into it. Yeah, um, I think it comes through me. Um, when I went to India, I really embraced my own indigeneity and found my own cultural uh, identity through that. Um, but also I work with the Mother Earth delegation and, uh, you know, being around being around Indigenous people has been really valuable for me. Uh, I've met members of the Toltec tribes, the Kota tribes, and um, my curiosity has meant that I'm really interested in how they live, what they do, uh, and so I integrate it all. My, and, and Grandma Jyoti again speaks about walking your prayer, and my prayer is to be of service to humanity. My prayer is to be of the high, so this is my prayer. My prayer is to be of the highest service and have the most fun at the same time. <laughs> Perfect, like that. Yeah, I like that a lot. Yeah, got to have fun. Things, have fun. things, if you're having fun as well, you, you know, how, how you show up impacts people, doesn't it? Yeah, it doesn't feel like work then, does it? No, no. <laughs> I, I, I wrote on the plane as I was going to turkey last week um i just completed a little online diary and i decided uh that i wanted to go through the next next few days with the lightest of touch mm, nice that's what, what i what i strove for and that lightness of touch with people mm. was led to a, a beautiful few days really mm. yeah that's lovely um so i, I really like really like that um, so, so when, you know, what sort of um, what sort of challenges are you coming across when you're talking to organisations? Because yeah. uh, you know the pl the planet the planet matters. We we agree that's uh, and that's the the name of your your business and your site. So, so who 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 who's open to this sort of conversation about the wisdom of indigenous people today? And uh, and and how does it work when you have these conversations with a you know a corporate company, for example? Um, it varies. Uh, it varies a lot. Um, and uh, it's everything to do with where they are right now. Um, and I've found you have to meet people where they are. Yeah. But sometimes I have had a lot of challenges with, with talking to business people, mostly men, I'll say, so who are still mostly men in England anyway, and they are embedded in the growth mindset. Yeah. So... The mindset of business, some businesses and business people are, we have to grow the business as quickly as possible, as much as possible, so that in three years we're going to sell this business and make millions and move on. Uh, and the trouble is we're, we live on a planet where we have millions of businesses all trying to do the same thing. Uh, and to do that without any um, consideration of other people on and 
other people on the planet and the resources that we have, that we are, we are running out of pretty much every resource, um, is, I think, irresponsible. Um, and uh, that the, I feel that it's up to us to find a different way right now. We're, we're on the crossroads. We're at a crossroads of humanity right now. And, uh, you know, it's taken, it's been challenging for me too. Uh, so I've had many challenges in letting go of my old thinking. So, for example, when I sold my business, I, I was convinced I was going to start a property business. Uh, so I was going to build a property portfolio, build a passive income, registered for some uh, like mentorship, some property mentorship. And then like, halfway through, and the more I found out about this, I just couldn't do it. I just, yeah. I just couldn't, I just couldn't do it. And I remember one day I phoned my daughter on the way to, to this mentorship day. I said, I'm not, just not feeling this anymore. Can't, can't do it. And she said, what are you doing it for then? Go home. And I literally turned the car around that day. So I've had to abandon the idea of investments as being, um, as being something that gives me money. Investments are something different now. Investments are in the new world and how can we create new systems and structures? And it's been very inconvenient as well. <laughs> you know, when you look at food and water and chemicalization, um, if, you're, if you're not in that world where that's okay, that's quite an inconvenient. It's quite an inconvenience because you have to find wood, food, and water, and uh, dechemicalize your life. So, so, are, so, are you are you trying to live life with much more authenticity then? And is that what you're saying? So, you... yeah, definitely. Uh, it's it's not just what I say for me. It's it's who I am, and uh, it's it's more that when I try to do something that I used to do, which was okay, I no longer can do it. Because if it's not in alignment, uh, and it's, it's the congruence of our thoughts, our feelings and our actions. Yeah. Uh, thoughts are your head, your feelings are your heart and your actions come from your gut. So yeah. The whole body is an embodiment of the values uh, that, that I'm, it's almost like I have no choice about it, Chris. Yeah. Uh, it's not like I do it consciously. It's sometimes I just can't do something I used to do. It's, it's interesting. I, I I really wrestled with going on a plane again because I hadn't actually been for four years since since mm -hmm. I used to one stage of my life I was flying twice a month, mm -hmm. but in um, the last time I'd been away was two thousand nineteen, again to the end just uh, just before uh, to Turkey. Uh, and I really had to think, is the, the value that will be achieved by me going greater than, than my flight? Uh, and, and, and I wrestled with it and I, and I, and I decided it was this on this instance, but I wasn't going for a holiday. I wasn't going for, you know, just lots and lots of fun. I was going um, for a genuine reason. Um, so just we've got just a couple of minutes. What's the difference then between ownership and custodianship? OK, I think the best way is I'll um, so. Jean-Jacques Rousseau was a French philosopher and he said the first man who after enclosing a piece of land took it into his head to say this is mine and found people simple enough to believe him that's where it all started to go wrong yeah yeah so before that was something called the commons um, so the commons uh, was before ownership and people would take their sheep and they would graze their 
cattle and their sheep and so on in the commons. The land didn't belong to anyone. Uh, it was common. Uh, so he then went on to say, be sure not to listen to this imposter. You are lost if you forget that the fruits of the earth belong equally to us all and the earth itself to nobody. We don't own anything, Chris. Right? So we have it that we are born, we live and we die. And then after we die, like, it's okay what we've done because we're dead. Right? If we can afford it, we will buy it and we own it. Like we can buy land, we can buy animals, and we even buy a wife sometimes. Yeah? When you yeah. own something, it's open to an abuse. Right? You don't think about it. With indigenous thinking, they were here as custodians, and before them were the ancestors, and after them were future generations. And they didn't make any decision without considering the children, and the children is a term they use for future generations. Yep. So the idea of seven generational thinking is really to not make any decision without considering seven generations, which is about 300 years. So custodian, so what this does is it brings an idea of custodianship. I'm, I'm only here for a short while. One day I'll be an ancestor. So I'm going to look after what I have as um, as a curator, as a custodian of something. And it just changes your mindset because you want to look after it. You want to yes. love it if you're a custodian. Yes. Yeah. I think Rumi says that in some of his work. Yes, well. it does, yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and incorporated in that is the idea of intergenerational wisdom. So wisdom is something we are custodians of too. And as we get into our elder years, uh, in the Western world, what we tend to do is as we people get older, we discount them and think that they're frail or stupid or something. But in, um, in indigenous cultures, they really revere the elders right. because the elders are the keepers of the wisdom. And their job is really to pass it on to the younger generations. And, 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 and a very important role of the elders is also to look at children and to look after children. And to really spot the talent of the child, if they see somebody who's a natural leader or see somebody who's a natural fisherman or somebody who can naturally speak to the wind, they will encourage that because they see that in them. And that's custodianship of children. Yeah, I, I, I think that's um, a great way to leave this, um, leave this segment right now. Um, and really interesting to, to look up to people who you know, have operated with that custodianship mindset, really. Um, and I can understand that uh, people who are maybe have all been about ownership, um, maybe they're not all the ones who want to be looking up to and learning from right now. We want to be learning from those uh, those wise souls who have the the big picture of what's important in mind. So back again with you all in just a couple of minutes. Do join us after the break. We're going to talk about all sorts of things. So uh, you don't want to miss out. Thank you. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. 
Support includes the opportunity to join a high-return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program, one-to-one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Are you a business owner, 1099 contractor, part-time employee, or volunteer who needs group health coverage you can actually afford? Do you know a nonprofit who would benefit from unlimited zero-cost funding? How about cost reduction, school safety, mental health wellness, and more? All these and more are fair game on finding certainty. If you want more certainty in your own life, you are not alone. Join us each Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. Find your own brand of certainty and realize your personal American dream with Finding Certainty, hosted by Patrick Lang. Let's unwrap the certainty experience together. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. From the boardroom to you. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper. I'm with Shovna Kataria, and uh, we're talking about we're talking about some um, embracing in, indigenous wisdom. And I, we were just testing in the break about uh, you know about whether, you know, there were billionaires around the world who were buying up um, huge amounts of land. And uh, Shovna was explaining in places like Hawaii, the indigenous populations don't have access to their own land. I mean, how, how do you how do you feel about that? And is there you know, it's this slippery slope of people thinking they can own everything while they're here. Can we, can we change it? Can we move back to that world where people do have access? You know what I would love to see, Chris? Um, I, th- I think this thing about billionaires owning huge swathes of land and That's having exclusive access to it is, um, is the opposite of where we want to get to. Uh, I think it's up to us to use the money we have to do things on the planet like buy up a forest or a piece of land and give it to the commons like to create there is a movement to create the commons again Um, because everything is to be shared and it's the in the sharing is the joy and personally I can't think of anything worse than living in thousands of acres on my own um i'd want to share it all <laughs> yeah yes i have, a, I have um, a client that i worked with for uh, for uh, many years a, a brewery uh, and they opened up 90 acres of land that they owned 
built a craft brewery and visitor center and a nature reserve and I worked very closely with them to do it and uh, but they opened it up to the to the public they built cycle routes through it they built bridge over and this land wasn't wasn't accessible to people before that and now they've got a beautiful space and it brings them into the brings them into the heart of the of the company actually yeah and and it makes the company part of the community as well you've got the community using it yeah how beautiful is that yeah, so I think um, I think we need more, more of that. So if anyone's listening here who's um, who's buying up huge swathes of land for them uh, for themselves or for exploitation of minerals and things like that, you need to think carefully. Mm. And let's look at how we can do it differently. You know, yeah. sometimes we realise we're part of the problem, and and that's okay because once you realise it, you can say, okay, I'm part of the problem now. How can I be part of the solution? Yeah, definitely, definitely. So tell us about this 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 question of yours. What's mine to do in these times of radical change? Um, you say people are struggling with that. Can you offer any insights around what what you mean and uh, and how we can work out um, what's mine to do in these these times? Yeah, I, I mean, I'm a great believer in the power of the question, and a question not as being something to be answered. Although my degree was mathematics, it is two plus two is four. But a question has lived through you and allowing a question to work through you to give you a greater depth and a greater insight into who you are. And this question, what's mine to do in these times of radical change, is a huge question and one I've been sitting with for a long time. Um, what What I would offer your listeners is slow down and allow yourself to experience yourself so that you can discover what's important to you. Yeah. Keep asking that question and then ask a further question. What are you a custodian of? So for example, myself, I'm, I don't have a huge amount of land skills. Like I couldn't grow my own food. I'd starve if I had to, but I, I do love working with people. So I'm a custodian of people and their conversations. What are you here to look after? And um, I'll give you an example. Uh, I worked with a lady who was the owner of a garden center and uh, she was second generation. And when when she came on my workshop, she was quite depressed because of the huge weight of the responsibility that she had. And uh, when, when she left, she was, almost even worse because she realized that a three-year-old son, the future that is is likely, um, and working with her uh, and asking questions like this from her and discovering what was important to her was equality, actually. She was really uh, passionate about equality. Um, and then I sent her a video of uh, from YouTube called Planet Local which was about the move from globalization to localization. And then pretty much immediately she emailed me and said, I've got it. I am gonna take the field that I've got next to the garden center, convert it into chunks, offer each school in the community a piece of that field. They can learn, children can learn to grow vegetables. I will then grow vegetables here and put it in my cafe and so on. So really, I can't offer you any insights about you, but I can guide the way through questions like that. And it's up to you to go on that journey. 
you know, for you, it might be the oceans are important. It might be the clean air that's important. And something that I use quite a lot is the children's pledge. And you know about the children's pledge mm. because that really galvanizes your thinking. It's like, what can I pledge to future generations? Right. And my pledge that I've written is I'm pledged to all children 100 years from now that they can hear the birds sing in the morning. Right. And that's not something I can ever guarantee, but it's a place that I can come from. That that's what I want for my future generations. Yeah. 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 I will add something as well in that also to think about what does it look like to you, right? Post-consumerism, post-capitalism, post this paradigm that we're living in. What does that even look like? You know, what kind of businesses will it have? What kind of, what will people we do, be doing and how will we be living and live into that and start living like that and see what emerges. Mm. Mm. Great, great, um, great thoughts there. It does, you know, worry me the, you know, seeing how the world has changed in my lifetime and thinking about all the birds that are around in my childhood and, uh, uh, and uh, the song and all that the you know, there used to be sparrows everywhere you know it was in you, don't, you rarely see a sparrow uh but you know very often these days come to england as well hasn't it we we always had yeah. it, it was far away but um 91 loss of sparrows something like 95 percent loss of turtle doves um oh. yeah the common sparrow is not so common anymore no yeah, we, we are on the precipice we're on the edge of um destroying life we're in the middle of the sixth mass extinction and, and, and i think the other thing that uh you know for, for me really upsets me too is the state of our rivers i think it's an absolute an absolute calamity um yeah. you know the indigenous revere rivers because we are all we are all water people in in yeah. our ancient cultures we all live near a body of water yeah. all, as i said my ancestry is in the rivers uh, so I have a deep connection with rivers. You might have come from an ancestry that's of the wells or the oceans. We all lived near water. Yeah. That's why we love water. And water is yeah. the lifeblood of humanity. It is, it, yeah. it, is a, it is a national disgrace. It's an absolute disgrace uh, what, has, uh, what has been allowed to happen um, linked to commercialism and uh, selling off uh, water to... Um, or the countries and losing control of it, and it is just, uh, it is, it's just absolutely horrendous. Money, you know, it's not just a UK problem, is it? I think of the Ganges and in in, in India, and it's just, uh... yeah. I mean, there's, apparently there is no, there is no water in the world that does not contain Teflon today. Really? Yeah, because if it goes into one river, it will go yeah. into the sea, which will go into the ocean, which will be everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a lot for us to do. There's, there's an awful lot for us to do. And I think this is about considering and asking that question of yourself. You know, what, um, you know, what are you um, pledging? How are you going to contribute? Um, you know, what's discovering what's important for yourself? Um, how do we create a more heart-centered world that honors this indigenous wisdom such that we can make these positive changes that we need to? I think some people are getting it, but the majority aren't. Hmm. It's a good question. I think the first thing is to stop thinking that you can't make a difference and stop thinking that one person isn't going to make any difference. Right. Um, 
support good people doing good things with your money. So there's a lot of people doing good things in the world and they need our support. Yeah. Yeah. And another thing you can do is to discover your own indigeneity. Who are your ancestors? Where are they? Where are your river tribe? You know, how did your people heal themselves? And something really important I think we can do is not deny our feelings. Mm. Yeah. So when, when I ask the question, when I think of the state of the planet, I feel. What do you feel? Yeah. Quite often I hear words um, like sadness, yeah. despair, uh, fear, hopelessness. And we, we tend to we live in a world that is glass half full. We've been taught to live in a world that is glass half full. But I would say, let's not ignore the half empty. I'm not saying we dwell in there, but I'm saying if you can bring your hopelessness, your despair, and f allow yourself to feel it and allow it to go through you, what that will do is open your heart to your feelings. Hmm. So denying your feelings calls, causes, according to Joanna Macy, a deadening of the heart and the mind. And this is where we are. We have numbed ourselves to our feelings. And yeah. I tell you, when there was that, that fire in uh, Maui, in Lahaina, and, and that beautiful banyan tree, which I visited, uh, set fire, I, I, I felt so sad. Yeah. Sad. Yeah. And it's to allow ourselves to feel that sadness and the grieving people felt people felt very sad with the you know the tree that was cut down in yorkshire um you know some people um I'm not sure if a grandfather and a grandson or some um decided to um chainsaw a tree that had been sitting there for several hundred years and was a you know a, an, an iconic view uh, in a in a the end of a a valley and um you know why would you do that and we also had a there's a house in uh, in the, the midlands an old pub uh called the crooked crooked yes, house you probably heard. <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah I, I, I i have as well many 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 years ago and uh you know somebody bought up the land and uh it got uh it got mysteriously got set on fire and uh but, the, but there were bulldozers waiting i think the following day to knock it down um you know and people People worshipped that place, didn't they? They people yeah, camped out there. They were devastated. You know, this is the madness that money has. And Paul Hawkin, uh, who I who I love his work, he said it says a lot for our society that a tree is only worth something when it's cut down. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so HS two, you know, we're building HS two. We cut down ancient forests. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's just criminal ancient forests and lovely lovely towns and villages and now some of it's not going to happen can you imagine having I know. Living, a, living in a lovely village and having a lovely forest that's been decimated already and uh and then it's the government, government yeah. decides so oh, we're not actually not going to do it after all yeah Incre absolutely incredible how do we get these politics get politicians to understand this well my view <laughs> is we won't uh, do you think we have to do it? We have to do it ourselves, do we? We have to do it ourselves. I think so. We have to come together. We have to we have to speak from like-heartedness and come together as community and take actions. Yeah. 
yeah, this is, feels feels like it's a time to act, doesn't it? To, together, yeah. it's about connecting hearts and minds mm. for people who feel as strongly as you do, and uh, and, and creating movements, mm. definitely peaceful yeah. movements. Yeah, yeah, non-violent peaceful movements, but take actions. You know, I think money has a big role to play. Uh, we have uh, people our age have earned a good income all our lives but it's been at the expense of the people of the planet and it's been at the yeah. expense of the ecology of the planet so now is our time to give back yeah uh, so there is a role that money while it still has value can be used to create the new earth i, I do feel that very strongly yeah i really um one thing i've just i've taken out of your conversation here i'd not not thought of i've not done my ancestry dna or whatever method you choose to do it and um i do i do realize that i'm probably um you might see because you can see my eyebrows at the moment i suspect i probably i'm not have, have origins that sit outside of the the, the uk <laughs> i suspect um but, you, but you've got you probably t you've tipped me over the line to actually do it because i would like to understand where yeah. where, I, where i originate from and um yeah, my family come from. I was and, in Hawaii, and the Hawaiians—they uh, have deep, deep ancestral uh, stories and culture, and it can all be boiled down to two sentences: know who you are, and know where you are. Yeah. And yes. Know who you are is your ancestry. Who was your grandma? Who was your great grandma? What were their features, and what did they do? Like they—they very strong in knowing who they are, and the where you are is the land that you live on. Right. Who peoples of the land you live on you know whose land are we actually on at the moment who did we displace to come onto this land yes who displaced us yeah and and it's for us to acknowledge that we did displace some peoples to be here it, it seems, seems like it's a positive though that we are now been been probably probably pushed into this place because of uh, what's what is coming back now from mother nature i just had a couple of yesterday i was needed to get my car out um and because a, a lorry had hit me side, side on on the m1 and it's got some damage to it um and, and, a, and a, the, there was a storm and a tree had been blown across my drive i couldn't get we couldn't get out i had to get out with my chainsaw um you know it was a, it was a really nasty storm and it just reminds me of what's happening around the the planet. It's actually close. It's uh, and we had forty degree heat nearly here a couple of years ago, and everything in the garden just was decimated. Um, so we're we're seeing what's happening to us uh, right now. It's on our on our doorstep. So can can you suggest any ways that people can you know further learn uh, from and incorporate this indigenous wisdom into their daily lives? I can tell you how I do it. Um, I've got about two minutes. I just realised the time. <laughs> okay. Uh, so how I do it is is basically to sit and connect. So for me, I love water. I connect to water. I light a candle and I ask. I ask the questions that there are to ask. I seek consent. Consent is a huge thing within any indigenous culture. Yeah. And we did not the conquistadors did not seek consent when they went over to the south americas and took the land right we do not ask consent to genetically modify the food right so that's one thing and the second thing is go on your own money journey learn how to use money as a fertilizer and a compost of the old system to create the new heart-centered world um, find somebody who maintains that connection and learn from them 
I mean, I'm connected to the Colombian Tiku tribe, um, and it's been beautiful to foster that connection, and I hope to take people there one day. Um, so I'd say there's a big, big journey, and it can't be done without you, without you opening your heart. Yeah. Well, that's it's been a beautiful interview. I've really enjoyed connecting with you today uh, very, very much. Um, I, I wonder if you have an ideal client that you want to help, who would it be? I, w I would like to work with people who are fully engaged in this conversation. Yeah. I'm not really here to like entertain half measures. Um, so if somebody's seriously interested and wants to do something, and I want to bring something into the world right now, it's, it's not a time to talk about it, but it's a time to do it. Right. Do something do you, uh, do you have a final message you'd like to leave us with? Yes. Um, it's not about how much money we create, but how much we care for each other, how much connection we can create with each other and our customers. As company owners, we have a greater sphere of influence that incorporates our staff, our suppliers, our customers, and, and everyone who's bought. And the other message is, we've got this. We've got this, all right? Because we are connecting like this, Chris. And I'll leave you with one sentence from Alnur Lada. Let us walk each other home into the unknown as we surrender control, traverse thresholds and re-enter the continuum of life and death. Well, it's a beautiful way to end. Thank you so much, um, Shabna, for joining us today. It's been, been absolutely wonderful. Uh, and if you want some more information and to connect with Shobna, go to www.planetmatters.earth. That's planetmatters.earth. Uh, on next week's show, um, I'm going to replay, it's Christmas, the um, station is closed. I'm going to replay a show with um, the, the, the wonderful Sharon Jessup. Uh, Sharon is a um, half marathon world record holder. She did the most consecutive half marathons for a female ever. She's an endurance athlete. And she ran uh, earlier in the year across 30 game reserves to um, uh, save um, rhinos. I think it was something like 1,600 miles, something like that in distance. Um, and she's done all sorts of amazing conservation projects. And she's just the most wonderful um, bubbly personality. So I'm going to replay that because it's a, it's a fascinating conversation with a, a very engaging person. And then my next um, show in two weeks' time, we've got Tony McAleer. And Tony was a a white supremacist, and uh, he, um, you know, the tables were turned when he he had children, and he realised the errors of his ways, and he's he's now dedicating his life to um, eradicating hate uh, and uh, you know finding a better way to care for people. So he's got a book, The Cure for Hate. So a very unusual interview there with Tony McAleer in a couple of weeks' time. Wherever you are in the world whether you celebrate it or not, um, do, do have, um, you know, do have a, a good couple of weeks. You know, for many of us, it's Christmas. It's a time to think about others, not just ourselves. So enjoy, enjoy Christmas and maybe take the time to reflect on this interview and ask some of the questions that were posed uh, by, uh, by Shobna uh, in this interview. You know, discover what's important to you. Slow down and experience yourself and discover what's important to you. On that note, I'll leave you all. I wish you all well. I hope 2024 is a brilliant year uh, for you and uh, you know, live life as though it's rigged in your favour. Take care.
Thank you for listening to the Chris Cooper Business Elevation Show. Please join your host, Chris Cooper, again next Friday at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more.